Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Join with me tonight, Jonathan Miklos. And, and guys, I'm sure we're going to talk about tonight how the Auburn Tigers went into Baton Rouge and just annihilated those guys. No, wait, that's, a, that's another year. I apologize. That was probably 20 years ago. But anyway, it's great to be here. I have a test to, to pre- prepare for. That's why we didn't do a Sunday night show. I was studying until midnight, but tonight I had to take a mental break. I had to get back to the airwaves because if I don't do a show, people think that, you know, Auburn lost, and that's why I'm not doing it. So, guys, I love Auburn, but you know what? During the game, I knew it was over. I was okay. I wasn't going to kill myself or anything. So, I'm trying to get the show set real quick, the time, and that's what I'm having trouble with. So, bear with me if I'm a little scattered. I'm about to bring Jonathan on. Jonathan, how's it going, buddy? Uh, everything is going good. I actually just left my uh, left my nephew's first um, Little League Baseball game of the season. So, uh, you know, it's that time of the year where you got the fall ball kicking up, you got college football, even the NFL is back, which as much as I hate watching it because of the uptick in penalties, um, yeah, it's just a great time of the year. I mean, hockey preseason started last year. Yeah, I mean, college football is here, as we call it. This is week four. You know, Jonathan, the last show you didn't get to meet with me, and I was talking about, overreacting to, to teams and like while I was talking about Auburn and LSU I mean they look bad against Jacksonville State but you know no need to panic just yet I mean things happen you know weird things happen in college football but after watching Saturday's game now if you're an Auburn fan okay you can panic a little bit and, and there was this quarterback change at Auburn redshirt freshman Sean White and Jonathan I mean he's already been hyped as Similar to Drew Brees, blah, 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 blah. I'm not buying it until I see it, buddy. I agree. I, you know, and it, that there was that hype with Jeremy Johnson about how, you know, he, he was going to, you know, be a great quarterback and he's going to be better than Nick Marshall and all this other stuff. And he he didn't show up at all. I mean, he got caught with his pants down three games in a row. That's just, yeah, that's, that's just awful. You know, I, let's, that's let's the thing. Just, you know, no, go I mean, ahead. let's I'm give sorry. Sean a chance. Let's give Sean a chance when we start hyping him up. Because if we if we go ahead and put him all the way up on the pedestal and he flops, I mean, you're going to wind up crushing the kid. Exactly. And I, I don't want to crush the kid. We saw that with Jeremy Johnson. I feel bad for the kid because people are trashing him. And I'm like, at the end of the day, he's just a kid, you know. This is a kid. This is somebody that's not getting paid to play legally. They're probably getting paid under the table somewhere. But, you know, Jonathan, could you? I'm going to try to mute your phone just for a second. I'm getting a lot of uh, background noise. Can you mute your phone until I ask you a question just for a second? I'm trying to get this show fixed. And uh, go ahead. All right. Um, just looking at Jeremy Johnson, people are bashing the kid and everything. At the end of the day, he's a kid. And I, I hate to see 
these kids get, you know, crushed like this by adults that, that I couldn't go out there and play quarterback better than Jeremy Johnson. So, you know, it's, he, he he could come back. He could – he's overhyped a little bit. And, guys, I'm having some serious, serious Internet issues. I'm trying to get into this. I'm about to throw this laptop through the window. That's what I'm about to do. Uh, but I'm trying to change the time of the show. So, so Jonathan, I may have to ask you to take it and run with it, and then I'll come back. How does that sound? Uh, that works for me. You know, uh, do, do what you got to do, Ryan. Just, just run with it, and I'll be back in just a few minutes. All right. So what we saw this weekend, guys, was obviously LSU's quarterback issues that we thought we were going to foresee uh, with, with Brandon Harris. That uh, we, we obviously blew that out of course. Brandon Harris was phenomenal this past week against Auburn. And, of course, it helps that he has arguably the most physically talented running back in the nation, Leonard Fournette. Fournette has played out of his mind against Auburn. Of course, they gave him bulletin board material to come out, play, you know, play with a little extra fire, a little extra energy. And, you know, Les Miles admitted that. You know, he, he went ahead and took the quotes from um, Ford from Auburn and put them up on, on Fournette's locker and said, use this. And, and, my God, he did. I mean, that, that boy ran like a man for that. You know, and for, for Auburn. And I watched Jeremy Johnson looked lost, and he looked for excuses. I mean, at one point he claimed that it wasn't because he was wearing a glove. So he put the glove on, he comes by, he comes off the sidelines, and the offensive coordinator takes the glove away from him and says, you just need to focus on playing football. And for Auburn, you can panic a little. This defense looked rough offensively. They're a mess. They're not having good success. Wanting the football too well, like, Auburn's really got to figure something out. This is where, you know, your your coaching staff really earns their money because you've got a lot of talent at that program right now. They just got to figure out how to be able to maximize. Uh, you know, looking at a couple other games this weekend, that if you just want to, you know, go ahead and we're going to stick in the SEC. If you actually sat there and watched the whole Florida and Kentucky game, pat yourself on the back, buy a six-pack on me, and eat a cookie. That game was awful. I mean, that, that was horrendous. Florida looked awful. Uh, you know, Kentucky looked terrible. The only, you know, people are going to say, well, this was a defensive slugfest. It really wasn't. Florida and Kentucky's offenses are just that bad. The quarterback play was really that bad. You know, Kentucky's offensive line cannot get told any time, any time to get ready. And it wasn't the defense just blow. you know, the defensive line was just beating them up. It was the linemen weren't ready once they got ready to pass that. And that's bad. Mark Stoops has his work cut out for him. Jim McElwain has his work cut out for him. Because right now those are two bottom dwellers from looking at the SEC teams. I know Florida's 3-0, Kentucky's 2-1, they beat South Carolina. It's not changed the fact that these are bad football teams. It's not changed that at all. And speaking of South Carolina, what Georgia did to them was so illegal that I think half that team got arrested after that game. I mean, that was a blowout of mass proportions. Mark Rick got his boys ready for it. You know, this is considered a huge rivalry game for those two schools. And Mark Rick had his, had his boys ready. They came out and stomped all over South yeah. Carolina State. Yeah, but they're bad, though, Johnson. This year, that South Carolina team, and thank you, I mean, but look, South Carolina was a 17-point dog, right? Yes. That's what they were in this game. And then in a rivalry game, that's, what, that's why I knew Georgia was a lot, because when I realized that Vegas – put this line at that, man, because you in rivalry games, Vegas knows a little more than we do. You know, they know some things going on, but it's time for Steve Spurrier to – I don't know if they're going to fire him or what, but I'm still trying to get this show. I have six minutes to get this show 
uh, working, guys. So please pray for me. Um, we're going to be out of time in six minutes and a half. So really, I will throw the laptop through the window. There's, there's another lie about that. It's about to happen. But, but um, you're going to pull but a Georgia, but, but I know, I know you talked about Kentucky. You know, they're look, they're a bad team. Florida, Tennessee is going to come in this weekend and and lay them to bed. I'm telling you, John. Tennessee will come in there and be Florida's terrible. And I know all the Florida fans are talking trash to me because, you know, they have a better record than Auburn right now. But how long is that going to last? I mean, Auburn's bad right now, but there is hope, you know. There is some kind of hope that they can turn it around. But is there any chance that, that McIlwain can turn it around, Jonathan? I just don't. I mean, this Florida team's pathetic. I mean, they, they remind me of Missouri. Missouri's pathetic. I agree. Missouri looked absolutely pitiful. They even had to go to a back quarterback to try and get, you know, whatever kinks they had worked out, and it didn't work. And, you know, Connecticut outplayed Missouri for most of that game. It's a shame Connecticut can pull off the victory. And you're right, Florida is atrocious. That is an awful, awful football team. And, you know, it's funny, ESPN the magazine released that article about how Urban Meyer lost the team because he was, you know, he was playing favorites and he was recruiting guys with questionable character. And, you know, players were fighting coaches. They were fighting each other. And, and now it, it, it starts to make sense because this is the same thing Randy Shannon and Al Golden are going through at Miami. You recruit these guys who all they want to do is start trouble and take fights. And what happens is the new guy comes in, tries to clean house, and suffers because of it. He does. They will suffer because they can't get the talented guys because they want to try and clean up an image. They really do. You know, you know, you know Muschamp had it cleaned up. Muschamp, to an extent, you didn't see arrest and all that with Muschamp there. And, and, and to me, this coach is acting like he's cleaning the program up, which to me has been cleaned up for the last couple of years. But it's not been a good program. But you haven't seen the arrest. But McElwain, I think he's going in a little too, you know, look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm trying to do. Like like Charlie Strong. How's that going for you, Charlie? You know, it's, it's okay to clean up a program. But when you tear it apart, and, and, and it's about winning, Jonathan. Nobody cares. Oh, he's cleaning our program up. I would rather have a dirty program and win championships than a clean program and get skull drug every weekend, wouldn't you? As much as I hate to say it, yeah, because I'm a Florida State fan, and we followed the law of Bobby. If a guy was getting in trouble, Bobby knew, had somebody already there to sweep that under the rug. I'll admit it. That is exactly what happened under Bobby. The same's not happening under Jimbo, and that's why there's a rise in arrest at Florida State. There's really not a rise. It's become more public. Bobby was able to keep adding everything out of the press. Just like well, there was no social media when Bobby was there. There was no social media. There's no all this stuff when Bobby was there. Now the player, the fans know about problems before the coaches even know. Johnson, you're right. I mean, because you know, but when Spurrier was at Florida and Bobby's at Florida State, and even like Bear was at Alabama, you didn't have this. You didn't have you know Arrested.com where all they do is post mugshots of athletes. I, I mean, you don't have the former cup which is who's the most guys who got, you know, which team had the most players get arrested in the offseason. And you didn't have that. Now you do. So the problem is the coaches have to try and balance the negative with the positive. And the only way you can justify that negative is by winning football games. Mm-hmm. You know, when you suck, you're not going to be around long enough to clean a football program up. And I think McElwain, 
has a better chance to do it than Charlie Strong does. I mean, look at Texas, how bad they are. Underdog I, that at home game, when they play. That was a great game to watch, and I think Texas found their quarterback. But to lose that game on an extra point is just – I mean, that is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, now all that work, all the hard work, and now guess what? You have to go try it again. That's where teams quit. You know, you can get their attention up to a certain point, and then when you got an extra uh, – a kicker missing an extra point, all the blood, sweat, and tears that it took to get to that point to win a game, to tie it, whatever, is gone. Jonathan, that's when you get in danger. And that, that worries me about Auburn is there's problems on that defense. Can the coaches – I want to talk about Auburn. I know this is – not an Auburn radio broadcast, but, but I do need to talk to somebody that they can tell me the truth about them. And you can do that, and we're going to preview some games. So do you mind we talk five minutes about Auburn real quick? Oh, no, go, go right on ahead. Okay, then I'm going to admit, I, I blamed Van Gorder when he was a defensive coordinator at Auburn. I'm like, look, this guy's terrible. He just can't adjust to the, the college game, really. He's an NFL coach. Well, here comes you know who last year. We fire him. I'm blaming him. I'm trying to think of his name right quick. Ellis Johnson. But now Muschamp comes, and and what scares me, Jonathan, is this defense looks the same, if not worse, than it has in years past. And I don't know what they're teaching at Auburn or what's going on, what kind of contact. I mean, I don't believe they're hitting in practice. If I had a million dollars to lay down on it, I would bet my money that Auburn doesn't hit in practice because watching the LSU game, there's no way in hell you can tell me that this team was used to getting hit. Auburn looked like a team that did not want contact. They looked like a team that did not want to man up and face LSU. That's what concerns me the most. Just say the offense starts playing better and everything is scoring. How are we going to stop anybody with what we have on the field? Is the offense the problem, Jonathan, because – in the past few years, the offense has been great, but the defense has sucked. Now people are blaming the offense for the defensive problems. I'm not buying it right now. Why is Will Muschamp having such a problem with the Auburn defense? If you say they're talented, they are. Recruiting shows it. Is it a mindset at Auburn that's causing this? Every defensive coach has struggled, every one of them. And Will Muschamp, one of the greatest minds in college football, Malzahn says, and people would think um, of great defense when they think of his name. What's wrong, Johnson? I mean, they're not, they're not hitting in practice. And I think Jeremy Johnson, if he's not seeing defense in practice, when he saw a defense in live, in live uh, speed, he panicked. So I don't know what's going on. You tell me so I can understand. Well, it, it's, it's kind of odd watching it. Because uh, what, what you're seeing, and Mike Bellotti said yesterday on College Football Daily, um, you know, I, I try to watch as much cultural stuff as I can because I, I love it. And and he said, as long as you have a quarterback who doesn't create turnovers, that defense will play better. I don't believe that right now. What I'm starting to believe, and I'd like for anybody to tell me I'm wrong, but what I'm starting to believe is if you run an up-tempo offense, your defense struggles. I firmly believe that. These offensive head coaches who run up-tempo offenses struggle. Oregon's defense has struggled. Uh, A&M's defense has struggled. Auburn's defense has struggled. Houston's. I mean, you go down the list. Most of these teams, their defenses are bad. I think it has a lot to do with practice because I think you're right. I think these teams don't don't you know, don't do any contact drills. I honestly don't believe there's live hitting. You know, watching it, it's just pitiful. 
It really is. Yeah. And I'm not getting it, and I want to understand it, but I can't. It doesn't, because I'm a Florida State fan. I watch them. Our defense comes to play. Every year, it seems they, they come you. to play. They'll knock you, knock you in the dirt, and that's why it's making me upset. The last time I remember a spread team that had a good defense was probably Florida. I mean, with Tebow and the way they ran the spread, Urban Meyer's defenses are good. Look at Oklahoma. Their defense is terrible. They spread you out now. Any it's Baylor, uh, TCU, the defenses suck. And I'm, I'm just wondering, when's enough enough? Urban Meyer looks like he's, he's one coach that has a clue. You think about it at Florida the way his team was, and now look at Ohio State. They run the spread, if I'm not mistaken, from what I can tell. I mean, that's what they run. But, you know, it's a softness at Auburn. And, and if I'm, I don't know how happy Muschamp's going to be not being able to drag his players out after a game and hit full contact either. And I think you're right. It's the hurry up, and you're not the only one that told me this. There's a tough. There's a toughness that comes with those teams like LSU that run the football. And in practice, their ones are against their ones, and they're hitting each other, and they're hitting hard, and they get used to it. When game time comes, and, and look, I mean, that was embarrassing. I mean, as an Auburn guy, it was so embarrassing watching my team, like a bunch of girls out there running, and, and we have Trey with us. Maybe maybe Trey can shed some light on why the Auburn defense year after year sucks no matter who the coach is. Welcome, Trey. Hey, what's up, buddy? What's up? Tell me what I need to know. Well, I would be – I mean, I'll tell you, one of the shocking things, I mean, you know, I was very high on Auburn uh, going into the season, had them in my final four. So, you know, color, color me uh, just the surprise of what's going on right now with anybody else. But – I'll tell you, uh, there's a there's a clip on the you can watch it on the internet on loop of what is it, I think Rudy was it the Ford kid uh, coming towards Fournette and sort of backing off and letting him <laughs> run past him. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is which is I, I have a tough time watching a clip like that. At a, I mean, you know, you could say at an SAC school, but I, I I would limit it to at any big university where football is so you know such a big deal to see a guy just completely avoid contact as a defender. Uh not even like, you know, go for the ankles and get beat or but I mean to be to avoid contact altogether. I, I think that to me was just a stark concern for just how the attitude of those players are. Um so Tarvin, I you know, I, I don't know if I don't think it's coaching uh per se. Cause, I mean you, you look at I mean, obviously Muschamp's a good defensive mind there has to be yeah. something on that defense that those some of those key players are not motivated to perform um, for whatever reason. But um, X's, you know, X's and O's. I, I don't know, man. Sometimes you watch you watch the highlights, uh, and I watched the game, and they were in the right position a lot, Harvin. They really were. They just didn't execute very well. Yep, they didn't hit. And you know what? When you look at film. When you watch a film and you, you see the problems on a film, you watch the first two games of Auburn, and, and you see something done wrong, you either allow that to happen or you coach it that way. And so I'm trying to figure out all the things I saw wrong from week one to two. Some of it was adjusted. I get it. But toughness is a mentality. And the way I was told, and this is what I was told about the Auburn team, is all spring, man, they – 
they hit. They went back to physical football. All fall, blah, blah, blah. And then I see them against Jacksonville State get pistol whipped physically up front. I mean, against Louisville the first half, you know, you don't know what to expect. They look good. And, like, they shut them out and everything. Carl Lawson doesn't come back. And then all of a sudden, the next ten quarters have been a nightmare. And and so it's not coaching. You're right. I mean, Muschamp's a great coach. Chizik's a great defensive-minded coach. Ellis Johnson, I can see him getting, you know, in bang order. But now I'm I'm, a, I'm firmly believing that the problem at Auburn is the up-tempo offense with Gus Malzahn and the physicality. For some reason, even though they run a physical offense running, Trey, they have no idea of how to hit anybody. Is Carl Lawson so valuable that if he leaves, you can't make a tackle anymore? I mean, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, what's interesting about Auburn, and I've been I've been looking at it a lot because I mean, that really was, um, you know, I had Auburn and LSU in the West and in the SEC, so LSU wasn't a surprise. They're good. But I really was high on Auburn, and I thought I'd done my research, so I went back to Auburn. I was looking at stats. And I was looking back at numbers of Malzahn. Um, Auburn's six and six, I think, in their last um, twelve games against Power Five opponents. I think the stats, something like that, I may be a little bit off, but it's something very, very close to 500 carbon. And so I was looking at that, and man, I was, sh- I was actually kind of surprised. I mean, I know last year was, wasn't a great year, but I was just surprised at that overall result over the last uh, couple of seasons, you know. Uh, and, I, and I kind of wondered if maybe, and I was wondering the exact same thing you're talking about, if, if Malzahn may be the issue. I mean, I, I look at Jeremy Johnson and how they've treated him. And I, I'm starting to think it is head coach, not not sort of assistant. Um, I just think that's been botched from the very beginning. I mean, the way they've, they've interacted with him, the way they've coached him, um, even as so far as this whole week where they replaced him, Tarvin, you know, Jeremy Johnson was our guy. You know, he's still, you know, they, they built him up as a superstar and really sort of, I mean, that was coming from a lot of the coaches. If you hear some of their speeches and stuff going even, even through last year where they were talking about how, how great great hands they would be next year and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. They talked Duke Williams into coming back, Trey. They actually talked Duke Williams into coming back. Yeah, and then and then to me to throw him out the way they did is just I, I just think it was too soon. And I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about you know let him have at least a half or Mississippi State. Uh, oh, there was the right time or you know not not right time. I, I just think regardless of how you operate and how you think that went down the way they've handled him this year and even even through last year and the hype they were I – mean, you just heard it. I mean, it wasn't media and fans. I mean, it was, you heard – listen to some of the coaching staff talk about Jeremy Johnson last yeah. year and, and even in the off season. And then look, look how they handled him this year. I mean, it is, that's not how you handle the guy you hype like that and you talk so so highly in regard. So I just, I'm really wondering yeah. about how they're handling their players. Yeah, and Jonathan, I'll ask you. I mean, to me, like Trey said, I just think it's kind of weird timing the way everything. This is booster pressure. Don't don't kid yourself. But to me, the time to take Jeremy Johnson out was either the first time was when he threw that second crazy interception against Louisville. That's when you pull him out, you allow him to watch a couple of series, and then you put him back in. Or the second half of the Jacksonville State game, you yank him and you put the other kid in to see if you can get some momentum. I understand why they didn't play the kid in the second half in LSU. Then if he has a disaster, then what are you going to do? You have two disasters on your hands. But but why didn't they do it, Jonathan, in the first half or second half against Louisville when he threw those crazy interceptions? I I don't know. And I I agree. I I think, you know, the whole timing of this is just really, really, really fishy. 
they they really need to they really need to you know Gus really got to figure something out there because I agree. And that Louisville game after his second stupid pick, or you know the second after the Jacksonville State game, which the game plan going into the Jacksonville State game was going to guarantee that Jeremy would be out at halftime. You know the coaches go ahead and take ahead in those games, but we're going to blow this team out so at halftime we can start getting the other guys in. So you should you should probably should put him in then. And the fact that they didn't, I, I think they they were trying to see if he could work through it. And the problem is, and, I, and I'll relate this back to baseball and I relate it to hockey and I relate it to basketball, to any sport. When somebody is performing that poorly, when a quarterback is, it can't hit the bottom of the barn, when a pitcher's walking everybody or just getting lit up, when a basketball player can't find the bottom of the bucket, and when a goalie in hockey can't stop anything, you got to pull them. You can't leave him in there. You're going to kill their psyche. You're going to mentally kill this kid, and yep. he'll never be able to play for you. Yep, that's exactly what – and I know Jeremy Johnson, I've seen it. Trey's watched him, or Trey wouldn't have made that prediction. Trey didn't believe yeah. the Jeremy Johnson hype. He watched it and saw him perform, and you thought, well, you know what, he's, this is his third year. He's coming in kind of like an Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre leaving, and, man, this is – I blame Gus Malzahn for not pulling him out and talking to him. They they embarrassed and humiliated a kid in front of the entire country. And shame on you, coaching staff. And, and there's some accountability on the player. I'm not going to say that. But yeah. let's go into the NFL real quick, go over some games. Hey, hey Tucker, one, um, one more thing. I don't know. If, sorry, I mean, one more thing on this. You know, it's it's more, and then my problem with this, and like I said, I went through this, and I don't know if you touched on this, Tarvin, so excuse me if you did in the very first minutes of the show. Is if you watch the tapes, it's more than Jeremy Johnson. Uh, it's play calling. Uh, it's run yep. offense. Look at the run blocking. Where where where's the run blocking? Uh, the holes <laughs> aren't there. And in in you know this was supposed to be a more um, Jeremy Johnson was supposed to be able to use his mobility. And if you watch the games and the way they even called the games, they weren't even giving him like bootleg short throws, the run pass option. They weren't giving him options to giving grow confidence, they just kind of threw him out there. And really, I don't know, like I was really sort of confused by a lot of the game plan, and, and I was really confused at how poor the run blocking was. So, I mean, it's it's more to me than Jeremy Johnson, and I, that's why I really question how they handled it, because it's clearly more to me uh, than Jeremy Johnson. It, it's, 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 there's a lot more well, to it. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this, and you – you heard me on the show last Sunday or last Wednesday. Now, whenever we did our last show after the Jacksonville State game, and I said, you know, this kid, you need to put him in a situation that utilizes his strength, run the zone read. That's where Gus Malzahn's offenses are good. Well, right in the second half, he busted a 60-yard run for a touchdown. That wasn't the zone read. But in the fourth quarter, I watched them run the zone read up the field, and I know it was a second and 13, but still it's the actual how the offense looked. It looked like right for the first time all year. They went right down the field and scored a touchdown. My question to anybody out there listening, why do you not run the zone read with a quarterback that can run a 4-5? And that's where it is. Auburn's not going to take over the world with this Sean White kid that's not a runner. He's a passer, but – Gus Malzahn's offenses, to me, run the football. That's a success tray. Now you're getting like 100, 100 yards a game rushing. That's what they get in a quarter under with the running quarterback. So what are they trying to do here by making this change? Yeah, I mean, now what's your identity? I mean, you're right. White, White has, by the way, he, I've already started to hear the hype on him, and, and I, I've seen a little bit of him. I know he was an uh, well, Elite 11 MVP that came out of sort of nowhere um, to win a lot yeah. of competitions in high school. 
But the point is, is you know, we're already starting to hype him up a little bit, which, I, which is a little bit scary because the offense is going to have to be completely – the playbook can't be the same. Um, and he's been taking second-team reps up until, you know, this week. So we'll have to see. It's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting game against Mississippi State to see what, what the offense yeah. even looks like. I think the defense is going to play a little bit better. But offensively, yeah, I think being a yeah, night game at home, you know, that means a lot to Auburn. That's, you know, they play Mississippi State. If they can squeak by that one, they play San Jose State the following week, then comes a bye week, then at Kentucky and Arkansas. All of a sudden, if Auburn can get some kind of rhythm, some people healthy, Garrett's going to be back this weekend, a linebacker. If they can get people healthy, they're 6-1. and one. All of a sudden, Ole Miss comes into town, and there's, there's a big game. I mean, so Auburn has a chance to be six and one, or they have a chance to go into the tank, and we'll talk about that that later. And I'm, I want to see. I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm not going to say anything. I want to watch and see what in the hell is going on in the plains. But let's move over to the NFL real quick, and um, I guess I'll start with you, Trey, on this one. What surprises you more, Seattle being 0 and two, or Indianapolis being 0 and two right now? Well, I mean. It's easy to say Seattle, but for me it was Indy. Uh, I had Indy, you know, you know my, my my they were in my prediction for the Super Bowl, so I'm looking pretty dumb on that one right now. Um, <laughs> so they didn't have the greatest competition. You know, Seattle played, you know, a really good Packers team in week two, and I, I think the week one of the Rams was, uh, you know, I mean, that was a road game. So I mean, you know, that that is, um, that, you know, it's a little bit surprising, but to me the loss. The way Indy looked against the Jets, um, man, I, I really – I mean, they started 0-2 last year and made the AFC Championship game, so there's some perspective on that. But they don't they don't look like they did last year when they started 0-2 to me. Uh, and, you know, they sent all those veterans, and you got to wonder about having a bunch of 30-year-olds in the NFL. You know, yeah. so, it, man, the Indy is the one that surprises me more for sure. Yeah, Jonathan, you know, watching Andrew Luck, you look like Jeremy Johnson a little bit. And, and the offensive line is doing him no favors at all. They have no running game. Where does Indianapolis go? Jacksonville's 1-1, one one, Tennessee's 1-1, one one, Houston's terrible at 0-2. But could Jacksonville or Tennessee, you know, Mariota came back down to earth, as you, you talked about on Facebook. What's, what can Indianapolis do to get better? Like Trey said, there's just a bunch of old men out there right now with no, no identity that I see. They need to go ahead and start playing, you know, Jacksonville and Tennessee. I, that's, I mean, in all reality, Jacksonville and Tennessee, I don't think they're there yet, <laughs> uh, to, to be completely honest. Uh, you know, I, Tennessee was a horrendous football team last year. Not much has changed. So I, I think this start, people need to go ahead and cool the Jets on them. Jacksonville wasn't that good last year. Let's go ahead and hold back. I think when we're looking at these NFL teams, we're looking at Indianapolis right now. This is the same Andrew Luck we've seen. I mean, his rookie years, he was a turnover machine. And they were still able to find a way to win around it. You know, and that's one thing I always want to remind people. Andrew Luck's a winner, but he almost wins in spite of himself. You know, I mean, his rookie year, 26 turnovers. I mean, he had four in the last game, and they were playing the Jets, who I think the highly underrated football team coming into this year. So, you know, looking at it, what the Colts need to do is they need to go ahead and hit that easy part of their schedule, roll through their games if they, like they expect to, and move on from there. Defensively, I, I think that they, they need a lot of work. I have been thinking they need defensive work for a while. That's why I didn't back into the Super Bowl pick. I didn't trust the offensive line. I don't trust that defense. I can't. I've seen it. 
they have they have Warner playing outside linebacker. That voice is, is a is a four or three defensive end. All right, stop trying to make him a linebacker. It's not going to happen. So the massive transition while the outside linebacker when they did it. Yeah, but Matthew's just good at the end. Go back to a 4-3. That's where your mm-hmm. personnel is. Offensive line-wise, yeah. they got there something out. That's a joke. I mean, that's almost as bad as Tampa. I'm going to tell you, Indianapolis sucks, guys. They play in the AFC South. The only reason I'll even mention them right now for the postseason. They're a terrible football team that I think is going to actually get worse. But their schedule – is going to allow them. And I'm about to get the studio back up, guys. So if you're in there wanting to call in, we'll get you in in just a moment. I've been having some technical difficulties. Uh, we've got an hour left in the show scheduled right now, but we'll see. But the looking at Tony Romo Tree and the NFC East, they're 2-0 and Dallas. Um, the backup, for some reason, I don't know, the kid slipping my mind from who's the backup, what's his name? Brandon Weeders. Yeah, Brandon he looked Weeders. pretty good the other day in, in mop-up yeah. duty. But but the Eagles all of a sudden are zero and two in this division, and the Cowboys are two and zero. I don't know how long is Romo going to be out. Do you know? At least till week ten or eleven for sure. Um, Good but, you know, lord. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say one more thing on the Colts real quick. You know, Jonathan hit it right on the head about the offensive line, which I think is a real problem. Which they didn't really invest anything in. But I mean, think about this: Andrew Luck's had one one single 100-yard rusher in, like, the last – and that was, like, maybe, what, November of 2012? I mean, so it's <laughs> – they're, they're a mess because of the offensive line. Um, but Dallas and Philadelphia, Tarvin, I, I think a lot of people have put a lot into those, those starts right now. And with the, with the East, the way it is, uh, with Redskins being such a – um, a mediocre team, the Giants being such a mediocre team, and that division is, is right for a run, up or down for the Cowboys. So the Cowboys' injuries, I mean, Gregory's hurt, there's, and there's other guys on the team that are hurt. They could be on a losing streak at some point. If lose five in a row, it wouldn't surprise me before Des Bryant and, and Romo get back. Where, I mean, let's not, let's not put it past, I mean, the Chip Kelly bandwagon is burning now. Um, and I, I wouldn't put it past him to make a run one five or six straight um, because they have the personnel, but it's got to figure it out. Um, well, do they? Does Philadelphia have the personnel? Because I think they downgraded at quarterback. I think – I just don't – I don't see this team. I think people are figuring out Chip Kelly, Trey. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see the personnel on that team. Well, I mean, you could be right. I mean, I think they have enough players there to win in the East. I mean, I think – and you think the Washington, you know, is better than them? I don't. Do you think the Giants no, are better no. than them? I mean, I, I don't. Um, you know, I, DeMarco Murray, Ryan, Ryan Matthews, I mean, what, Murray's got a hamstring issue now. But, I mean, those guys, and they're decent running backs, and they're better than a lot of people have. Um, and Bradford, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, but, but, I mean – you know, they have some pieces to win. The, def- the defense is kind of an issue. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia was, you know, 9-3, and three, you know, at some point here soon. Um, it just wouldn't surprise me. Jonathan, what do you think about the Eagles? I mean, I, I don't like Bradford because of – I don't like injury-prone players like, you know, they can't ever stay healthy and be on the field. But is he the right type of quarterback? to run that Chip Kelly offense. To be honest with you, and I know this sounds crazy, Tim Tebow would probably – Philadelphia would be in a different position right now if they had Tim Tebow on their team. I think the Eagles' problems, there's a lot of them. 
there's a lot of issues there. And it does, it starts at quarterback, of course, because Bradford has looked bad. Let, let's, let, you know, let's not be nice. He's looked terrible. He, he doesn't know what he's doing half the time. He's forcing bad throws. I mean, that interception in the end zone against the Cowboys, he had a boy wide open underneath. Could have easily caught it and scooted it in because he had a linebacker on him. He had a, wide, he had a linebacker on a wide receiver. And he decides to force it into coverage in the end zone. And then, and then has that look on his face like, how did that get picked off? How do you think? Come on, stupid. You know, I mean, it, and then, you know, but it starts with <laughs> offensive line-wise when they cut Todd Herman. That was an awful, awful idea, and we're seeing that. That offensive line has no push. Nobody's getting after this. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Evan Mathis is gone as well. So we're talking about two of your best linemen are gone, gone. I mean, what, what, are you, what are you supposed to do? You know, your top two guards, you just let walk up the middle because Chip Kelly's out, he's going to bug up his rear end and say, well, I can put anybody there. No, you can't. That is stupid for you to think you can't. And that defense, of course that defense is struggling. You got rid of your best uh, pass rush for Trent Cole. I mean, how can you justify that now? Your defense has no pass rush, and you got rid of the best pass rush. I mean, you went ahead and got um, – that boy from Seattle that play quarterback, and Julio Jones made him look like a rookie. I mean, that was pitiful. Almost felt bad for the guy, and he even knew it. He knew he was out of his, he was well out of his league there. Yeah, he's getting paid Richard Sherman money. That makes sense. You get rid of Lashawn McCoy because well, he's a big play running back. He's not just north and south. Lashawn McCoy had two excellent years in Philadelphia. Let's go get Demarco Murray, who I still say is a prospect Cowboy offensive line. Look what's happening. Murray can't run the ball. I mean, now he, he, there's no push from the guards, and I saw this in Tampa last year. There's no push from the guards. So the lineman, the running back can't get north and south. He can't, there's no north. He's only going south, to be honest. You're not getting spread out in space. You're not getting near the goal line, so you can't justify the money you're giving Ryan Matthews. And this, this looks awful. Chip Kelly has outsmarted himself with every personnel move he made this offseason. Completely outsmarted himself. Yeah. I bet you he's in college very, very, very soon. And I guarantee you the Giants, and I know Trey said the Eagles are better than the Giants. We know they're better than the Redskins, but I think the Giants still have some life left in them if they can get past Atlanta, which I don't think will happen. But uh, anyway, that's beside the point. But, but Trey, I mean, there's some bad football teams in football, and I never thought the Eagles would probably start 0-2. And, and honestly, Trey, surprise, surprise, New England's 2-0. and And honestly, even with Brady, I thought they would lose to Buffalo the last week. But my God, New England, when are they going to slow down? I mean, this team every week just gets it done. And I really thought they were going to lose. I don't know what you thought last week, but I thought Buffalo was the pick. I thought it was going to be a much better game than it was. I think Buffalo got a little smart to begin with, and they couldn't rally back. Um, Buffalo's um, – they made, a, I think, a pretty good Buffalo team look, look, look not so great, especially earlier in that game. I mean, Tom, what's, what's interesting about what, what – what they're doing in New England is they're actually making a an offensive line who isn't so hot, um, and, and they are running such short passes and quick hitters, and Brady is just so amazing at getting the football out of his hand in an accurate way, <laughs> and letting those um, you know no name playmakers, all Deion Lewis, you know not <laughs> you know rookie from three years ago or whatever, and now all of a sudden is a high is getting to be a household name. Is finding these players who just are really good after the catch, um, and because they they're going so quick, and of course Gronkowski's so good, 
but I mean that offensive line really couldn't give Brady that much time on, on, a, on a snap every snap basis, but they don't have to. And that's something I think that other teams like the Philadelphia Eagles need to really look at. I mean, you have playmakers and get the ball to them quickly because I mean Brady is just he's still he's so good. I mean, it's really really impressive what he's doing. I'm so glad I didn't trade him, Trey. I know. I mean, I was trying to get Andrew Luck right now. I mean, imagine if I had Andrew Luck on my team and I would have given up the house for him. That's how stupid I would have been. But you know what? I, I like this Jets team in the AFC. Well, we're going to go over some games in a minute, guys. I'm just let my computer boot up right. But uh, I like this Jets team. I don't know what you guys think, but very impressed with, with the new coaching staff, the way they're able to play. Can they beat the Patriots? I don't know. I doubt it. But, I mean, at least it's interesting. This division, instead of seeing 2-0, and 1-1, and 0-2, and 0-2, you see two 2-0 teams and two 1-1 teams, which means to me that we could have a competitive division, at least for that number two spot in that division. And and looking at Denver, Peyton Manning, man, I, I love Peyton, but it's time to retire, man. I mean, I just – I see Peyton Manning out there, and it pains me. And I know we're going a little off off kill here, but, but Trey, let me ask you this. Who's the worst team in the NFL right now, as of today, in your mind? Top to bottom, you know, when I look at a team that, that probably is going to be near the top, the first-round pick conversation, uh, Tampa is a team that needs a ton of people, offensive line, D-line, linebackers, secondary Running back, I mean, they're just a team that I, I think has a lot of pieces left to get. Um, How about they Chicago, won. man? Chicago, you know, they're going to be in the conversation. Uh, I still think Forte and, and Jeffries, um, offensively, they're going to be – they're still okay. Defensively, they have a lot of issues as well. But, yeah, they're, they're definitely in the bottom ten for sure. Well, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you about Cammy Cam Newton, man. Um uh, 2-0 and in the South right now, tied with Atlanta. I don't know how much you've watched him play. I've got the Sunday ticket, and I've watched him play both games. Are you impressed with Cam Newton, you know, his progression, you know, over from last year, you know, there were some injuries to this year. I'm looking at Cam Newton this year, very impressed what he's able to do. He's got more patience, but he doesn't have many weapons, but he's getting – what he can out of. I'm not ready to put him in the Super Bowl or anything, but are you impressed with what Cam Newton's been able to do after two weeks? I mean, I have been because, like you said, the weapons are the fact that it's not, it's not the best offensive line in the world. And, I mean, who's he throwing the ball to again? <laughs> I mean, can, can you honestly name? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, yeah, so they got they got a tight end. And, and I mean, doesn't Funk just play wide receiver <laughs> for him, right? I mean, you know, that's, that's what we're looking at, though. Oh, my. Head Head again, Jr. Is, number one. is their number one wide receiver right now. That tells you right there that he has no weapons. Well, I'm really Trey. impressed with what Cam's doing. I'm really impressed. Um, hey, Trey and Jonathan, you remember that first game where you saw Gannon in the end zone by himself? Nobody was around him, and he dropped a touchdown. That's how bad mm-hmm. I thought the season was going to start out, Trey. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think what they're doing is, I mean, they they were a solid football team overall. I mean, they have, the, I mean, a good amount of talent. If you look at, you know, all around, I mean, they're missing pieces, but so are a lot of people. I mean, their pieces, unfortunately, are in the playmaker department. Um, but, I mean, they're making do. I mean, I, I think they have a shot. Uh, I, I think right now they're a seven to nine win team. Uh, but, you know, a, a break here or a break there in the NFL could be, a, you know, you could be, you could be a 10 or 11 
you know, or a, or a you know six or five win. So I mean, they're a team right now that has it that's putting together and playing together well, uh, which is you know what you want when you you know you lose a Kelvin Benjamin, you want people to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just see a much more mature Cam Newton, and it's not one of those people that's trying to take the the whole game over each play and trying to win it. He's taking what the defenses are giving him. He's picking up short gains if he needs to to get the first down. And Greg Olson is the key, of course. But, you know, other guys are catching the ball. I like their running game. But but to me, Jonathan, still in this NFC South, the Falcons look good right now. Julio Jones is a monster. Uh, Running the ball okay. The defense not playing too bad. Matt Ryan looks like Tom Brady right now. I mean, what's up with the Falcons? This is a hot team right now. Yeah, I, I had some buzz about Atlanta going into the air. Uh, I was, you know, waiting to see how everything shaped out because I, I like the offense. I mean, you got Matt Ryan with Julio and Roddy White, you know, and I, of course I love their stable of running back, two Florida State boys there. If that offensive line can stay healthy, the Falcons have a chance to, to win that division this year. But that offensive line has to stay healthy. You know, last year they lost their top three centers in the first couple weeks of the season. You know, and that's one thing that, that you just got to look at with that team. And also, I mean, that defense got to keep it up. You know, the Philly Philly kind of, you know, split through them and sliced them apart the second half of that, that first game. And that's something that, you know, obviously they probably heard about on practice that week. But I think, you know, Atlanta right now, I think it might be, it is. I think they are the best team in that division right now. I agree. And And before we get too carried away in our predictions here, you know, we're the most accurate panel there is and Block Talk Radio. Hell, put us up against anybody in ESPN or CBS. We'll beat them too, Fox. I don't care. Uh, we have statistics to prove it. But, Trey, is it time to buy or sell Baltimore right now? 0-2, you're losing Suggs. I mean, this team doesn't look like they know what's going on. Baltimore, man, 0-2, who saw it coming? Are you ready to write them off or are you, are you giving them more time? Well, I would give them a little more time, but, I mean, I didn't buy on before the season. I mean, I thought they're they're a decent. I mean, they're a decent football team. You know, one of those cusp type of teams. But you know, Justin Forsett was getting a ton of hype based on last year, and you know, he's just one of those players that you know he's a talented player, sure. But I wasn't buying in on him being able to, you know, scare a defense into changing their game plan just because he had a good year last year. Uh, and, you know, you've seen some problems with that. I mean, I, I saw Steve Smith drop one right on the goal line that would have changed the game for him. <laughs> um, and, then, you know, that's you know, that's something you don't see a whole lot of. But, I mean, they just, they've not caught a lot of breaks. I mean, Suggs going down is a, is a big deal for their defense. I, I think that they're a team that could have a lot of problems quickly. We'll have to see what they're made of. I mean, Flacco is solid enough to put up put up decent numbers, but they have to get more balance. Uh, and they got to get more out of their defense for sure. Well, all right, guys, we're going to move into uh, the panel part of the show. We're we're going to talk about these few of these NFL games. We're going to hit the college real quick. Got about forty five minutes left in the show. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to be a big NFL fan. I don't know why. You know, I've slowly over the years just started really loving NFL. I don't think it'll ever touch college. Maybe Auburn getting their teeth kicked in Saturday made me look forward to watching the NFL more on Sunday. I don't know. Uh, but the NFL is exciting. Every week a different game. I mean, it's a different week. So let's start out. What's your opinions? We're not going to go too in depth because we got about 15 minutes to talk, then we got to do college. But 
Minnesota's at home, Trey, going against the Chargers. Minnesota's favored uh, two and a half points at home. Both teams are one and one. Who do you like and why? Uh, you know, uh, Minnesota's a team that I'm not buying in just yet. I know a lot of people thought, well, hey, AP's back. Uh, you've seen two games where they've been inconsistent on offense. The first game, you know, it was all oh, AP didn't get the ball enough. The second time, he's fumbling three times. Uh, Bridgewater's been inconsistent, which, by the way, is very common for sophomore quarterbacks or sophomores in the NFL. People start getting adjusted to their skill set. Uh, and game planning for Teddy Bridgewater is different than not, uh, having a year of tape on him. Uh, I actually like Phillip Rivers. Um, I like what San Diego's doing. I think they're getting more consistent. I think Melvin Gordon in the running game is starting to get their groove. I uh, still like the receivers um, out of San Diego. So I, I like San Diego to win on the road. Jonathan, who do you like, buddy? I'm going to take San Diego on the road as well. Uh, I agree with Trey. I don't think Minnesota's there yet. I think the hike's a little bit too early. Uh, Peterson's still got to get his feet wet. I mean, a lot of us forget he was out of complete year of football. Uh, you know, and couldn't practice or nothing. I mean, what if we just kicked kick to the curb for a year? And I think Bridgewater, you know, we always talk about the sophomore slump. I think that might be coming. And that San Francisco game, he looks so bad. He looks so bad. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely going to take San Diego and the Rivers to go ahead and get this one done on the road. He did. I'm going to go against you, and it's because of that, that <laughs> noon kickoff time, that three-hour difference. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll bet. Minnesota the first half and then take San Diego in the second. But, but I think <laughs> there you guys you are right. There you, that's how you do it right there and if, you, if you're in doubt. But I'm with, I agree with everything you guys said in this one. Bridgewater, you know, in college, I, I didn't really like him. I know some people did, some people didn't. But I just think now that people have figured him out. Um, last year was like a free roll. He had no AP. Nobody expected anything. He came out there and made some big throws. That's great and all. But now defenses have had a year. To prepare, I like the Chargers in this one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on y'all's bandwagon. You've talked me into <laughs> it. So let's let's move on to the number six game. I picked seven this week. Denver at Detroit. Denver is favored two and a half. And I'll start with this one. Uh, I just can't take Detroit, even though that game's at home. It's a night game, Sunday night game, I believe. Jonathan, I'm I'm gonna pick Denver and Peyton Manning early in the season. There won't be any weather affecting him, anything like that. He could carve up this Detroit team. And I like the Denver defense in this game. I agree. I think uh, I, I think Detroit's defense played over their heads last year, to be, perfect, to be, to be you know, quite honest with you. Uh, and I think they're about to come right back down to earth this year. I really do. I don't trust Matthew Stafford. Calvin Johnson all of a sudden looks, oh, I mean, where'd that come from? You know, they've got, you know, they, they don't have a tight end or the running backs aren't really getting it done. I've never trusted offensive line. And in a dome, it's hard to go against Peyton. And there's no, like you said, there's no weather to affect him. There's no wind to bother his throws. He can lollipop that all day. And so who do you like? Do you like Denver? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I want to pick the Lions. Uh, they have so many people on that team from a weapons perspective, when you think about, you know, Ebron as tight end uh, is progressing really well. Um, running back, yeah, Bell. I mean, Abdullah, who I, I don't know why Caldwell doesn't want to give him more carries. The guy's electric. You know, you got a, a premier passer. And you got a good, you got two good receivers. I mean, don't forget Golden Tate's the number two guy there. He's pretty decent. Uh, but they're just not putting it together. I mean, there's just something missing from this team. And I don't. I don't know if it's just the willpower. These guys just don't don't have the motivation. 
So until I can see it from Detroit, I, mean, I would love to pick up Darwin. I got a feeling that they that, that this team isn't as bad as they look. Uh, they're going to start playing well at some point, but man, you're right. It's really hard on a prime time game to go against Peyton Manning. So I just can't do it. Yeah, and this is make or break, guys. The Lions lose this one and they're zero and three. It's over. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, it's over. And the Detroit Lions, yeah. I don't know how how they respond, but. Uh, I just don't think you can come back. I don't think anybody's ever won the, made the playoffs at 0-3, have they? Or what's the record on that? It isn't good. Of, I don't know what it is. But. All right. Well, the next game is against two 0-2 teams, but the point spread is 14 and a half. And this is my this is my lock of the week here, if you want to if you want to call it that. The Seattle Seahawks favored 14 and a half points over the Chicago Bears. Jonathan, I think this is. Uh, called skull dragging here. If you want to know the word, this is what's going to happen to the Bears. Can you imagine Jay Cutler on the road in Seattle with an 0 and 2 pissed off Seattle team? Yeah, I, I wish I could, but it's not even going to be Jay Cutler. It's going to be Jimmy Clausen, quarterback in the Bears this week. Oh, that's and, right. That's I, right. That's right. I'm yeah, sorry. so yeah, you you want your lock of the week? I think you guys. Chicago doesn't look that good. Jimmy Clausen looked awful. Uh, last week against Arizona, and that defense looked awful last week against Arizona. I mean, that, that it's a shame, but that is an awful, awful, awful Bears team right now. You know, you want to talk about, oh, the Bucks are going to get the number one pick. <laughs> You're funny, Trey. I think Chicago is the ones where eyeballing the number uh, one there's, pick. There's... I mean, so, come so on Trey, now. That Trey, team is Trey, terrible. Trey, Trey, going to win by 30. Trey, Trey picked up. Say, are you ready to take the Bears in this one? Straight up? No, man, this, this is Seattle by like 25. Yeah, this is easy. This is bad. And then a game that's intriguing to me, you guys may not think, you may think it's just going to be a blowout. Uh, Green Bay is at home, Monday Night Football, Lambeau Field, seven-point favorite, Jonathan. And uh, I can't go against Aaron Rodgers right now in this team. I don't care who's missing. The, the Packers are clicking, but can they have a letdown game? After that revenge game they took in the they took care of last what was it Sunday night they played Seattle um, or I can't remember what time it was but can they cover against Cincinnati or the Chiefs and can they beat them? No 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 how dare you even question that? <laughs> I mean that, that, it, it ain't gonna be pretty. Green Bay's gonna go ahead and get the job done. James Jones has come right back and played seamlessly with this team. I mean he ha- it's like he hasn't missed a beat. And I think what we're going to see is Green Bay come out, take the Kansas City. Kansas City about to spiral is what's going to happen. They should have won that game on Thursday against Denver. They really, they really should have. They outplayed Denver most of that game. And I think right now you're about to see a team tailspin because I, I just, you know, this is Andy Reid. I just can't trust Andy Reid. I really can't. And Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in the league, no doubt about it. Yeah, who are you taking, Alex Smith, Trey, or Aaron Rodgers in this? Well, I mean, I think Kansas City is a good football team, but this is, I mean, home in Green Bay, Aaron, they're not going to lose, man. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and um, here we go. This is a big game. This is I put this game up high because here we go. I mean, the Jets are home 2-0, and the Eagles 0-2. I mean, to me, this is do or die right now for Chip Kelly, and I think people are going to mistakenly take the Eagles because of that reason, but call me crazy, Jonathan. I think the Jets at home will beat Philadelphia, and it's going to put them 0-3, and, and people are going to start scratching their head. And um, you, you said Chip Kelly, the college, that could come to pass sooner than you think. 
Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the Jets are playing really well right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing very good football. And and the way he's playing is don't lose the game. That's all he's doing, just don't lose the game. He's got a great security blanket, blanket of Brandon Marshall. If Decker plays, that makes things a lot easier. If Decker can't play this week, that, that could be a big problem. But that defense right now looks phenomenal in New York. It really does. And they're going to give Philly a lot of fits. Todd Bowles was an excellent defensive coordinator in Arizona. And he's really brought that same mentality to the Jets. And when you have Cromartie and Revis and Buster Strine working your secondary, I, that takes a lot of pressure off your defensive line. They can go get after it. I, I think the Jets win this game. I think they win about more than a touchdown. Trey, I mean, the Jets are favored two and a half in this one. Are you going to go with Chip Kelly? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to, but, I mean, the, the Jets' defense, I think, is legitimate. And I think right now, I just, man, the problem with with, with the Jets, <laughs> excuse me, with the Eagles is, I mean, also you got receivers who are still really young. I mean, your your senior receiver is Jordan Matthews, who's still coming along in this league. I think he's in his third year. Saw a lot of drop passes from him over the middle. He's just not a guy who seems to want to go to up and get it and to be that number one guy. Uh, Chip Taylor really needs him to, to be, I think, um, to have that, that go-to outlet. I just haven't seen him have it. And with two really good uh, defensive backs, especially if Camardi plays, um, I don't I don't think Decker matters as much. But, um, yeah, Jets, Tarvin. Yeah, I like the Jets. That's kind of a fishy line. They they kind of want to want you to take the the Eagles in that game. I don't know, but I, I just think the Jets. Todd Bowles is the difference. I just think people are still thinking about the Jets of old, and you, you scratch your head. Oh, Jets over the Eagles in the must-win game. It's the Jets, guys. They're a legitimate football team. The number two game, real quick. The Panthers at home, two and zero against the zero and two Saints. Um, Panthers seem to give New Orleans some problems, Jonathan. Real quick, who you like in this one? I'm going to take the Panthers, of course, being at home. But it could get it could be interesting. But I just think the defense of Carolina will win this game. Injured Drew Brees, no Drew Brees, whatever the situation is, Carolina's going to roll this one. New Orleans be lucky to crack ten points. Yeah, I mean this right. is Panthers easy. Uh, uh, Panthers, yeah, Panthers. Uh, Brees may not play. Panthers. Yes, and the the best game of the week to me, the Falcons on the uh, without a Romo though. Falcons on the road, the Cowboys. The Falcons favor two. I really don't think Atlanta has a problem, guys, in this game. Julio Jones goes off indoors. Matt Ryan um, is the man right now. I think the Falcons are three and zero, and then that one loss the Cowboys are going to get. People are going to start worrying a little bit about a a Romo less uh, Dallas Cowboys team. Trey, who do you like? Yeah, I mean, it's, until I see Whedon do it for uh, actually win a game on his on his own without Des Bryant, yeah, um, I can't. Not not against the Falcons. I mean, we'll see, but Falcons turning. What you got, Jonathan? What do you have? Falcons get it done. Boom! All right, guys. If you want to call in six four six seven one six five five six four. Oh, I forgot the great Thursday night games we love to see so much, the Giants and the Redskins. Giants get it done. And I hate Thursday night football in NFL. It's so bad. I mean, it's it's terrible. I don't even want to talk about it. The college football, man, is starting to get interesting. We're starting to be able to see some identity. Well, I still don't know who Florida State is. Nobody knows yet. We'll talk about them later. But, you know, we know this conference place getting close to starting. People are starting to get an identity tray. And, um, the first game we're going to talk about here, the Oregon Ducks at home against Utah. 
And, and you know, Utah's a team. This point spread's 11, by the way, Oregon. I put 17. There wasn't a line. I just guessed one. But Utah's the kind of team trade that could give Oregon trouble up front, right, with the physical physicality they play. This is a 3-0 and team with a lot. If they yeah. win this game on the road at Oregon, they've got a, a good shot to do well this season. Yeah, I mean, Utah is a quality football team. I mean, people don't talk about them because, you know, they're not your traditional powerhouse, but Utah's a very solid team. Um, but I, I, here's the thing is, I, I don't know the status of Adams uh, with his finger, but I, I just think Oregon is still very talented. You know, I was high on them going into the season, even without Adams. I still think Oregon gets it done. I think it's going to be a very close game, though. Jonathan, I mean, upset alert, money line right here. Anything you're thinking with Utah being 3-0 and with that physical front? I, I definitely think there's an upset alert. Going out here, I mean, sound, sound the alarm. Um, you know, I I don't know. It, I mean, the home crowd's obviously going to be huge with Oregon, but I don't know how well Vernon Adams is actually going to play, especially if he starts getting a hit. If he starts getting a hit, things might go a little sideways on him. Because we saw Michigan State played a little physical with the stretch on offense. He got at it. Now, here's the problem with Utah. Unlike Michigan State, Utah does not really really have the receivers to be able to stretch the ball on the field. Utah kind of struggled with Michigan a little bit. You know, Michigan, without a couple turnovers, might have won that game. So, looking at this, I think Oregon is able to gut this one out. But, you know, for anybody who thinks that, you know, they need to go ahead and lay that 11 points, I think you need to double-check your logic there. All right. Jason Humphrey, the Oregon expert here. I'm going to lay them on real quick. Jason, we got to make it fast. we got a lot of games to cover in 30. Who do you like and why in this? Oregon, Oregon covers, just like last year, it was a close game to the third but Oregon pulls away in the fourth quarter to make it a two-touchdown game to cover. I think the 11 points is a joke, especially when Oregon's at home. That home field advantage, it's going to be fine. Wow, a joke, a joke. Well, Jason, we'll get you back on if we can. We're trying to roll through 15 games here. Jonathan, he says it's a joke. I like Oregon to cover the 11, I do. I think, like Jason said, spot on, second half is where they come. We all like the Oregon Ducks in this one. We'll see how it goes, but don't be surprised, guys, if if Utah pulls one out. And here's a game I'm interested in, Georgia Tech, how they rebound. This is a big ACC game. How do they rebound after getting into the favorite role in South Bend last weekend? They, They choked. Now here they come. They go on the road against a Duke team that lost to Northwestern, which is better than people thought. They beat Stanford. Trey, in this one, I, I just don't see any way Duke stays in this game. And I think Georgia Tech blows it open. I think it's probably yeah, a 15-point I mean, game. Yeah, completely agree. Georgia Tech, big. What do you think, Jonathan? I, I'm not willing to say big because that game last year was a dogfight. You know, Duke's not a bad football team. Uh, and they, you know, Georgia Tech with that option, it's not like, you know, these teams haven't seen it before. This isn't anything new. Uh, so I think Georgia Tech, though, should go ahead and gut this one out and get their revenge from last year's loss um, at home. But, I mean, I- I'm telling you right now, Georgia Tech did not look good last week. Notre Dame let them get back in that game. And, and Duke, you know, with them being the home team, this one's going to be a dogfight again to the end. Okay. Well, I can see that. I mean, but I, uh, I just like Georgia Tech's ability to finally just 
you know, and again, these are conference games, so it's not like somebody's not familiar. Duke's familiar with Georgia Tech. It's just hard to stop them. Uh, but you're picking Georgia Tech to win, right? Just not to cover. Yeah, I'm going to take Georgia Tech to win this game. I still think they're the better team, but I think this is going to wind up being like a three-point game. Okay. All right. I like it, Georgia Tech. Um, LSU, kind of a tray of one of these games. They played Mississippi State, a big game against Auburn. Now they go on the road to noon kickoff or 11 o'clock kickoff in Syracuse. Syracuse is 3-0. and LSU's favored 24-and-a-half. I know Syracuse is not that good trade, but I just don't think LSU can cover that spread. Well, so I think Syracuse is out a starting quarterback for this game, too. Um, yep. But, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'll tell you, I'm a little worried about the, some of the tenor of LSU. I'm not saying they're going to lose or not. I'm not saying, I think, I think, I think uh, they're a little little too brash going into this game. Les Miles made some comments about how, you know, Syracuse did a good basketball team and all this kind of stuff. Um I mean, I don't think Syracuse has got a real shot here, but you just, you do kind of worry about you know this a little bit of complacency here. But I mean, Fournette could probably run backwards and win. But you know, I say I say Syracuse gets rolled. Jonathan, next week LSU plays Eastern Michigan, so it's no look ahead game. I just think LSU's a type of team right now. They don't have to show it; they won't. And they didn't show a passing game last week. Could this be a time, though, that you could really polish up your quarterback and let your running back kind of rest a little bit, especially Fournette, and let your quarterback see what he can do against an, an average team at Syracuse? I think this would be the perfect time to do it. Syracuse's offense is going to be lucky to score. Uh, you know, they're not that good of a football team as, you know, their record you know would seem to indicate. And then you look at the teams they play and you go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, so I think you're going to see him throw the football a little more, try and get it out in the open, spread this game out, see you know see what Brandon can do. But I honestly believe they're going to win this game by you know 35 easy points. I really do because I, I don't see Syracuse scoring. Yeah, LSU does what they want to do. Really is what we're all trying to say. Do you want to? Do you have the balls enough to take the 24 and a half? But these running backs for LSU are phenomenal. They're so deep. The offensive line, they're growing in. The defense is getting better. I'm not sold on the defense just yet, but I think it's getting a. It will get better as the year goes on. Remember, they're missing an All-American safety. Uh, I think they get him back, so they didn't have him against Auburn. So LSU is a team to watch out for. We all like LSU. Next one's kind of interesting. I'm interested to see what people think. Here's a Michigan team that's two and one. They lost that first game on the road to Utah. Won the last two. BYU's a team that you know. I mean, almost you thought, hell, they're going to go three and zero with three Hail Marys, but here they come into Michigan, that 11 o'clock game trade. Michigan's five-and-a-half-point favorite. I just think at some point BYU has to be exhausted. I think Michigan takes this game by a couple of touchdowns. I think Michigan's a pretty good football team, but I just think BYU's out of gas. Yeah, I, I think BYU's loss last week is really going to take a lot out of them. I think they lost a lot of confidence as well. And then traveling to the big house, I like Michigan for sure. Jonathan? Yeah, I, I I also believe that, you know, BYU is running out of, you know, they're going to run out of gas. And their game against UCLA took a lot out of them. I really, really, really think that Michigan's turning the corner. I really do. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're going to go ahead and win this game and they're going to start getting on a roll. And, and I'm concerned about UCLA. Everybody talking about them, man. They're 17-point favorites in that game and we're lucky to win. So we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, Michigan – Jim Harbaugh is 
quietly, just quietly. Everybody's talking about Michigan State and Ohio State, and all of a sudden, quietly, here come the Michigan Wolverines. I like Michigan in this one. Here's another game that I, I like. Charlie Strong's at home, the bounce-back game from that <laughs> missed extra point. Who did they play last week, by the way? Who was that? Um, I'm sorry. Who did Texas play Cal. last week? Cal. Cal. Yeah, it was a good chance. I mean, all of a sudden you're two and one instead of one and two if you can beat a good Cal team at home. Now here comes an Oklahoma State team in trade is three and zero ranked. I just don't think Texas is going to be able to win this game. When they play quality teams at the Big Twelve, that's where I think they're going to struggle. I think Oklahoma State takes care of business, and all of a sudden Charlie Strong's one and three, and we're going to still ask, what has Charlie Strong, Strong done at Texas so far? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not, I'm gonna disagree. I, I think Texas actually wins this game. I don't I don't think Oklahoma State is. I think they're more of a paper dragon. Um, I, I just don't think they're that strong of a team, and they're they're decent for sure. Uh, but I think Texas is starting to figure out some stuff uh, defensively. They're still a mess, but I really like where they're doing an offense. Uh, so I mean, I like Texas for sure. Jonathan, who do you like, buddy? Um, we'll take Texas as well. I agree with Trey. I think Oklahoma State's a, a paper team. I really do. I, I think they're highly overrated. I don't know why there's so much buzz about them. Texas figured some stuff out like Cal's defense ain't, ain't, ain't good by any such imagination. But that boy heard that quarterback was kind of decent. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to have himself a big game. Texas is going to go ahead and win this shootout. Well, guys, I, you know what? It makes me want to change my pick, but I won't because I have a little pride. But um, if you if you guys think that, I really lean towards you two. Uh, you both seem passionate about that. I'm just not a Texas fan. Uh, but but I think Trey's right that they started figuring things out because the offense last week, even though they're playing Cal, it looked different. It looked a lot better than Auburn's did, you know. They finally started to figure things out with this. They found their quarterback. It's interesting. I'm gonna stay with my pig, but I'm probably gonna regret it, guys. So, just to let y'all know. Here's a here's a <laughs> weird game right here. TCU is on the road at Texas Tech. The line has dropped to six and a half points. The over under, believe it or not, is eighty and a half. Trey, eighty and a half. That what that means is we're gonna, the punter will be sitting around smoking a cigarette, drinking beer, watching a football game. There's not going to be punting. There's not going to be field goals. There's up extra points. But, Trey, I'm putting TCU on upset alert in this game. I'm going to pick Texas Tech to beat TCU and dethrone them this early in the season. Texas Tech gets a big home win over a, a TCU team that just can't play defense, man. I think they have some problems. Well, I, I'll tell you – uh, I, I'm going to go against you, but I don't think it's a bad pick because a couple of factors. One, I think TCU is still getting a lot of credit for, for a team that hasn't played well. Boykin hasn't looked great. Uh, he's still like on the top two or three on most people's Heisman watch list already. Still, uh, I think it's just almost based on preseason hype uh, and the fact that they're undefeated. Uh, Texas Tech, the reason I don't like picking them right now is I really feel they put way too much attention on the Arkansas win. Uh, a win that I really thought they were going to get. By the way, I, I, I thought that was a, a, a neat, I thought that was an easy win. I thought that going into that game, I didn't like that matchup for Arkansas. But I just really think that they put way too much effort after that game and talking about the Arkansas win, and that, that always worries me about prep for a really tough team coming up. So for that reason, I think TCU gets them, but I think it's close, and I do I do think it's going to be a marathon. 
Well, Trey, I want to ask you real quick, since you brought it up, just what happened to Arkansas? Is it all of a sudden they're ranked their preseason team that could win the West? Herb Street had them as a dark horse. Now they lost two out-of-conference games at home. I mean, what's going on with this team? But hold on, I'll ask you in a minute. Forget that. Jonathan, uh, go to your pick right here in TCU and Texas Tech. Well, in TCU dropped 82 points on Texas Tech last year, so we know they can cover that over by themselves. Um, I don't know why the line is so low. I'm jumping all over TCU on this one. Tech, like Trey said, put way too much effort in the Arkansas game. They were still running their mouths about that Arkansas game. They need to go ahead and get past that and move on with TCU. TCU's about to come out and doormat them. I mean, absolutely flatten them right back to reality. That's what's going to happen. Wow. Man, I feel insecure about it. Y'all just attacking me. I'm the host. I'm the host of this show, and you guys are just pistol whipping me every game we go through. So y'all quit tagging up on me. But yeah, I mean, Johnson reminded me they put up 82 by themselves. They're gonna yeah, cover it by themselves. But you're right. They anytime coaches come out and and put so much emotion, like personal revenge emotion, in it, you got to look for a letdown. Didn't even think about that. But I'm still going to say I'm taking Texas Tech for sure to cover, but I'm, I'm going to take them to upset. I'm going to stay with my pick. Uh, this is going to be a great football game to watch. Kentucky and Missouri, two great powerhouses out of the SEC East, Trey. I mean, the SEC is so good right now. I mean, Kentucky's only two and a half over Missouri. Who do you like? <laughs> this is one of those games that, honestly, I, I could flip a coin and go either way. I mean, both <laughs> – I'm going to stick with my preseason. Uh, I was I thought Missouri was the number two or three team in the East. I thought Kentucky was a little too high for like Arkansas was. I thought you know people jump on you know a lot of bandwagons in the SEC preseason. I, I'm not sure that Kentucky is is as good as people are making them out to be. Uh, I still think they're pretty far off. I'm going to go Missouri. Matty Mox looked terrible, but I'm sticking in preseason Missouri. Jonathan, I'm going to go with Kentucky because after watching Missouri play UConn, they have some serious problems. And I think Kentucky rebounded from a loss at home. I think they get it done in a close, boring game. But Kentucky wins. I mean, this is going to be another crap fest. I think, you know, that's that's easy. And with that over-under being right at, what, 44, I take the under (laughs) all day. These teams combined for 18 points last week. I mean, these are two bad offensively challenged football teams. Uh, I'm going I'm to go with Trey. I will take Missouri to win this one. Every time we pick against Missouri, they always seem to win one. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Missouri. And if I look, and if Kentucky goes ahead and wins, then I'll feel better about picking against Missouri later. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to try to get some callers in a little while. We're rolling right now, guys. We have to get through all these games a certain amount of time. So if I don't get to you right now, please. Don't take offense to it. Southern Cal goes on the road to play Arizona State. And this is an USC team that, I mean, I cannot believe. Well, I can't believe it. They got beat. Jason Humphrey picked it. But he came out and said Stanford outright over Southern Cal. Didn't blink an eye. Picked Cal over Texas. Trey picking in this game. Arizona State, really nobody's mentioned them since A&M beat them. But A&M's looking like a good team. Can Arizona State win this game at home? This is a desert 10:30 game. Yeah, I'm going Arizona State. I, I'm I'm still shocked at what happened last week, um, and I just think Arizona State is still a pretty good football team. So I got Arizona State winning. 
And Quinn, stay right there, buddy. I'm about to come to you. Don't don't leave. I want your input on a couple of these games in a minute. Jonathan, who do you like? Arizona State's the St. Louis Rams. Every year we keep saying it's a good team. They're going to break through. They're going to get it done. <laughs> Every year they let us down just like the St. Louis Rams. Ain't no doubt about it. Now, now that I've said that, Arizona State's won the last two games against USC. Uh, the Last year, it was a Hail Mary. The year before, Lane Kiffin couldn't even get back on campus before he lost his job and they gave him 16 points <laughs> of the loss. I, I, I'm really, I'm really thinking, you know, Arizona State can win this game because I don't believe USC is a mentally tough team. I think that is a mentally weak team. They got exposure being soft last week. I really do. I'm gonna take the 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 little double boys out there in, in the desert to go ahead and pull off the upset. Well, Quinn, who do you like in this game, buddy? Arizona State by ten points. Woo! I was sitting there thinking, you know, how much did Arizona State get taken away from them in that game against Texas A&M? But I think being at home and, and I look, their, their coach, Sarkeesian, I, I told you when that happened, I liked Southern Cal until their coach got dog drunk, got up there on stage acting stupid. That shows the leadership of this team. You're not going to go on the road. And uh, Jason's going to – I want Jason's opinion real quick. Jason, real quick, who do you like? I mean, I'm going to listen to you. You're a Pac-12 expert. Who's going to win this game? USC bounces back too much power. Um, I think the Stanford loss is just like what Oregon comes in to. I think it's really a massive problem. Uh, I think I think USC wins by 10. Uh, all right. So. All right. Thanks, Jason. And, guys, I'm changing my pick. I'm going with Jason here. You heard it. I'm picking Southern Cal to beat Arizona State because I'm telling you, this Jason Humphrey guy does not miss Pac-12 games and I can never hit him. So um, you heard it here, guys. I'm changing my pick. At least I'm man enough to admit it. Right, Jonathan? I'm man enough yeah, to admit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo. Oh, yeah. And I, have, my... and I have Texas Tech beating TCU, so I'm with you on that, Tyler. Well, see, hey, I, I should have brought Quinn on much earlier. But, but I'm telling you, Jason Humphrey does not miss Pac-12 games, guys. I'm telling you, if you want to bet, call him, get his locks, and then just call your bookie because I can't hit a Pac-12 game, it seems like. Um, next game right quick, UCLA on the road at Arizona. I, after watching Arizona, guys, I, I really think they're a little fluffed. A freshman quarterback, Trey. Going on the road at Arizona, I love Arizona. And Jason, stay right there. We'll get you last on this one. But I'm taking Arizona in the upset. Yeah, I have Arizona. I think UCLA is, is you know, Rosen's a great freshman. But he is a freshman. He's not going to be able to play perfect every week. Um, and I just and Miles Jack, by the way, for UCLA, their superstar linebacker, running back, you name what he does it, he's done, done for the year, blown out, blew out his, his knee. Um, they're gonna have problems, Harvin. They're gonna start. They're gonna start having problems, and it starts this week. Zona. All right, Quinn. Who do you like, buddy? What time is that game? Is that an afternoon yet? Yes, yeah, it's an eight no, o'clock it's a night game. Somebody playing Donkey Kong in the background or something. Okay. What's going on? I think. Well, uh, me. I'm playing Mario. So. Oops. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with so. UCLA. All right. He likes UCLA. Jonathan, who do you like? Arizona money line. Sounds like Scooby White's going to be back this week for Arizona. He is the heart and soul of that defense. And all honesty, you look at the numbers he put up last year, 
You want to talk about somebody who defensively could have been a Heisman Trophy candidate, maybe even won it, you know, if it wasn't for the year that Mariota put up. Scooby Wright could have had that, no doubt about it. So I think Arizona goes in, they get the job done, and ESPN can stop talking about how great UCLA is. Well, Jason, all that matters is really what do you think of this game? All right, you guys are putting too much pressure on me, but I think with the loss of Miles Jack that USA suffered this week, I really don't think USA is going to keep up offensively. Um, Rosen against BYU, he struggled against BYU. I believe through a three pitch, I think Arizona wins by double digits. Well, Jason, I'm going to tell you this. I like all your picks usually until you bet on Oregon. You know, if you pick Oregon, you'd pick Oregon against the Patriots and sit there and try to convince me. But, man, you're like me. You're a homer, and that's okay. I like you, man. But um, everybody likes Arizona in this game, right? The whole panel right here, five of us, like Arizona. It's going to happen. So ESPN, Herb Street, Feinbaum, whoever you are, you need to – you need to write this down as a log because the Arizona Wildcats and Rich Rodriguez have come to play. All right, now let's get into the meat and potatoes of these games. Trey, we talked about what happened to Arkansas. They're at home, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog to Texas A&M. I think we find out, Texas A&M, how physically tough their defense has gotten better. But what worries me, is Arkansas has gone away from their identity of running the football and trying to become a passing team. All of a sudden, they're one and two. They're undefeated in the, the SEC right now, of course, since they haven't played a game. But what has happened to Arkansas, and can they pull off the upset and beat Texas A&M? Well, I mean, Arkansas is sort of fell trapped through the hype and their, their overconfidence. Um, and, you know, the problem is, is that when you play other teams, they don't care what you think you are. Um now, Arkansas against A&M, the problem is A&M, we don't know. This is a huge assumption. People are already saying that, you know, Texas A&M put all the pieces back together with John Chavis. I think they're number one <laughs> in the NCAA in sacks, you know, but who have they played? Oh, you know, Arizona State. I you, I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, which is a quality opponent, but, man, I'm having a struggle know? with this one. Yeah, I'm having a struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, you may be right. I think Arkansas, as bad as they've been, are going to play a lot better in this game. I'm still going to take A&M real close. But, you know, we thought A&M was good at the beginning of last year, too. Jonathan, who do you like in this one? Arkansas's defense is soft. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. Dan Enos has come in and decided that, well, even though this is a running team and we have a 1,000-yard <laughs> rusher at running back, we're going to be 10th in the SEC and running the football we're going to throw the ball more times in the SEC than anybody but A&M. Yeah, that's going to work out real good for you, numbnuts. That, I mean, that's genius right there. <laughs> I mean, you're, a, you're, you're the hogs. It's all about running the football there. You're inside, we're going to air it out. A&M's going to smoke them. Arkansas's defense wow. is soft. Their offense can't get it done. Miles Garrett's going to have 17 sacks. I know that's an exaggeration, <laughs> but watch it happen now. A&M wins by 30. Quinn, you remember when I told you their running back went out? He said it's not a big deal. They'll just plug in and go. Uh, I think this guy that they lost is a little more. But I don't, I'm not saying that's why they went too. But had the starting yeah. running back for Arkansas been in this game, I think they could be possibly undefeated right now. Maybe the loss of the running back has changed the offense. But Jonathan's right. You know, yeah. Auburn and Arkansas both 
their identities are running. Now they're out there. They don't know what the hell they're doing. A&M blows yeah. out Arkansas. It's not even going to be Yeah, close I'm win. saying it too. A&M, A&M boat races Arkansas and beats them like 42-21. Let's not forget this is at Cowboy Stadium. This ain't in Fayetteville. Hey, no, no, it's exactly. not. It's not, it's not home field advantage. And here's Brett Bielema. Look, you sucked for a while. You come into the SEC, you kept quiet while you were getting boat raced. And then all of a sudden you win a few games and now you want to poke your chest out and make fun of the Big Ten. Let us make fun of the Big Ten on this show. You concentrate on Arkansas and not getting beat by mid-American teams. I mean, what is it called? Is that right? The What's that conference? Yeah, mid-American. Toledo, the MAC. I mean, yeah, you're getting beat by MAC teams. And then you lose at home to Texas Tech. I mean, you've embarrassed the conference worse than Auburn almost losing to Jacksonville State. They actually won. You've lost two games in a row that embarrassed the conference. It's not going to be close, guys. The next game um, is probably the the most important game in the SEC of the weekend. Of course, I put Auburn up there, number one, because of of the way they played. But Tennessee, for ten straight years, they've lost to Florida. And this is the game that they, they can't get over the hump in. It's just that game, for some reason, Tennessee, Florida has a mentally. Last year in Tennessee, they had that game won, and they slowly let it slip away at the end. Um, Jonathan, I'm going to start with you in this one, but I like Tennessee in this game. Florida is not a good football team, number one. I mean, Tennessee's got more athletes everywhere, better quarterback play. I think Tennessee comes in by double digits and beats Florida in the swamp. I wanted to throw that out there first. And we'll come back to Jason last. But, Jonathan, what do you think? Now, I see that Florida's favorite in this game. No, Tennessee's favorite I mean, they must think we're stupid. Oh, Tennessee's favorite now? Now. Now they are. But it opened up. Florida was a three-point favorite, guys. Yeah, Vegas thought we were stupid or something. Thought we weren't going to catch that one. Um, Let let, (laughs) let me me go ahead and get this out of the way. I hate Florida. We all know it. I hate Florida. I hate them. I hate them with a passion. That team goes 0-12, and, and I would celebrate, and I don't even care what Florida State does. All right? But that being said, 10 years in a row, you got you got to imagine that's going to wear down on you psychologically after a while. They can't beat these guys. I mean, Kentucky, it's been 28 years since they beat Florida. But yeah, that was this whole storyline. We're talking about 10 years and what used to be a great rivalry between Florida and Tennessee. I mean, in the 90s, this was it. This was your game of the year in the SEC. You know, with Peyton Manning and Danny Warfel and all those guys. Tennessee defense is soft. That don't matter. Florida's offense is terrible. Tennessee's offense is going to go up and down the field whenever they feel like it in this game. Josh Dobbs is going to have himself a landmark, hey, look at me, kind of performance. Tennessee's going to win this game by at least two touchdowns. And by golly, I'll be celebrating in the streets wearing orange. Trey, what do you think, buddy? Go Gators or go Balls in this one? Well, I mean, you know, Tennessee's been back for a while now, right? Um, I, I think Tennessee yeah. wins is, is the short short end of this. I mean, don't forget that that, that the second best uh, defensive back for Florida just got suspended for this game for refusing a drug test. I think he was arrested earlier this year uh, for a marijuana charge. Uh, I, I think that um, that you have your Will Greer, by the way, is starting, but Trayon Harris is also suspended for testing positive for marijuana. Uh, and you think, well, okay, well, Will Greer got all the snaps last week. We're talking, they're, they're a single snap, a single injury of Will Greer 
from having what I think a transfer from Vanderbilt running back playing quarterback because they, I mean they have I mean so they're yeah. they're they're not very deep in Florida so I just don't I don't Tennessee's a little more deep right now I think Tennessee wins well, I don't think it's going to be a blowout well, but Tennessee wins. Well, I'm going to tell you this. This is a revenge, and, and they circled this game, and I'm telling you, they are pissed off from letting that game go in Oklahoma the way they did. Tennessee had no business, no business blowing a 17-point lead against a Bob Stoops coach team. I'm telling you, they come out, they take their anger out, and I'm still sticking with my SEC pick of Tennessee. They're undefeated in the SEC right now. That's what matters. They lost Oklahoma. They learned a valuable lesson. They found out where they are and what they need to do to improve. Quinn, Tennessee in this one, Tennessee makes a statement in this game. And, and yeah, I think, I think Tennessee wins in an ugly offensive game. I think Tennessee wins like 17-10 or something like that. I think uh, Florida's uh, defense will keep them in the game. Nah, boo. Jason, who do you like in this one? I like, I'll go with Tennessee. Um, I haven't seen much of Florida this year, but I'll go to Tennessee. Where's the game being played at? It's in the swamp. It's in the swamp. So if you don't know that, I'm muting you, Jason. You got to know. You got to know something about Pac-12 football, Jason. So quit playing Donkey Kong. Go over there and look <laughs> at the schedule, and then I'll come back to you in a minute. But the number one game of the week, it's not really, but I put it there. <laughs> Auburn is at home. Sean White, the closest thing to Drew Brees as there ever was, will be starting for <laughs> Auburn in the jungle in the nine-game trade. Auburn, 7.30 Eastern kickoff, favorite a point and a half. And really, I'm going to pick Auburn trade because Mississippi State's bad. I mean, they they really are. LSU let them back in that game the other night. I think Auburn makes a few tackles. I think their kicker is the difference in this game. Auburn wins this game with a field goal in the fourth quarter, and and they hold on. Prescott's the best quarterback probably in the SEC, but he doesn't have anybody around him, Trey. Well, I mean, I don't know if I buy into the best quarterback in the SEC for Prescott, and my guy probably won't even get drafted. Um, <laughs> man, yeah, I, yeah, I know, guys. Um, but hey, I'm trying to hop up Mississippi State here, okay? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know that I, that I I every year hear the Mississippi State hype, and you know when they were number one, and all this, they ended up what not in the top twenty-five. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not buying them again this year, but man, I, I'm just I'm real worried about Auburn uh, with this freshman quarterback, the running game. Who I tell you what, Tarvin, I'm gonna stick with Auburn because I have them in the playoff, and I just want to look smart, but. I got to tell you, man, Mississippi yeah. State winning this game would not surprise me at all. Me neither. And and the thing about Auburn is this is a night game, and that's that's the big difference. And hopefully, as a fan, you got to think that these coaches that make millions of dollars can, like Jonathan said, can figure something out. And one thing I don't like about Sean White is his ability to run the football. I think put Smith in, he's the JUCO transfer guy. That's the closest thing to Nick Marshall as we've seen. I mean, he, he's the same style of athlete. But but what worries me is the Auburn running game. I just, unless it can get cranked up and going. Sean White, though, one thing about him that I like, you go back and you listen to Luganville, some of these quarterback experts talk and watch his film, he's good at buying time with his legs to hit that third or fourth option down the field. He's patient. He's smart. 
from what I hear. Now, I mean, I'm not hyping this quarterback up because I cannot do that anymore. I'm not going to do it until I see it. But from what I'm hearing in the film I've seen from high school, Cody or uh, Kyle Frazier looked like the next Cam Newton in high school, so you can't really go by that. But I like the kid's arm strength, the way he can go across his body and throw, Jonathan. I mean, this kid looks good. I think anything right now they're looking. I think the defense is going to play harder for this kid. I think the offensive line is going to block harder. I think the receivers are going to run better routes because I'll be honest with you, these guys I think are sick of Jeremy Johnson, and I think that's going to pump the crowd up. That's going to get the players over the hump to win this game and buy them a few weeks to be able to play San Jose State, have a bye week, Kentucky and Arkansas. I think in five weeks Auburn could be a legitimate team if they can get this win Saturday night, Jonathan. Well, this does have 2013 sprinkled all over it. I know you're thinking that. And I've been thinking no, it too. I'm not. It does. I'm not. It, it does. I mean, think you, know, that I mean, you, you get boat raced by LSU, and now you know you have a nice little stretch here where y'all can get some momentum back. But I'm gonna get a history lesson really quick. Last year, Auburn played Mississippi State, lost by 15. In 2013, they won by four. <laughs> and I know you remember that game. Everybody remember that game. Yeah. Two, Nick Marshall coming out party. Exactly. 2012, lost by 18. 2011, won by 7. 2010, won by 3. It, since 2009, has, has Auburn won that game by double digits? I mean, that's the nope. last time this wasn't a close game. So the way I'm looking at this is, this is going to be a dogfight to the end, but the Cats going to come out on top. I'm going to take the Tigers to win. It's going to be a, you know, a, a close game, though, one, two, three points. I mean, this has become almost a rivalry game that nobody's paying attention to because of how close the game's been. I mean, it's been a dog fight. Could it, could it, could it, could it be a three-to-two game like Tuberville had a few years back? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? How about how about how about we go? We'd be nice and say Auburn wins like four to two. Um, okay, all right. Well, I mean, this is a look. I'm a big Auburn guy, and I love them, but. You know, the difference in 2013 to me was that Auburn team was getting beat 21 to nothing, but the heart they showed coming back. They got into the rain turnover in a, in a flood, but they came back and took momentum with them into the next week. Well, this Auburn team, to me, was afraid. They were scared. They they were unsure of themselves. The coaching staff was frustrated. You, It reminded me of that time when Tommy Tuberville was in West Virginia on the road and the players were freezing to death, and he's wrapped up in 12 coats, and he wouldn't let them get near the heater. That's what it, it, it reminded me of when he when he threw that glove off of Jeremy Johnson. I mean, there's problems in Auburn internally, and and it's called expectations. You you overhyped yourself. You bought into the hype, and now you, you're having to survive, and that's why we talk about preseason rankings. I'm an Auburn fan, but I don't think it's the same, but I think they have time. The schedule's favorable for them if, they can get past Quinn, a Mississippi State team Saturday night. I think you're looking at a six and one Auburn team with Ole Miss coming into town. So I mean, there's a chance. Yeah. Auburn's not dead yet, but they're they're one play away, one game away from being gone. Yeah, I think Auburn wins anywhere between seven and ten points. I th- I, I think uh, right. I think uh, Sean White I think Sean White will do pretty well. But well, it's a wait what and about see. <laughs> Sean White? Uh, yeah, but they're talking about 
Smith being able to take reps at quarterback. They're talking about Wallace taking reps. Are they going to settle on White? Are they going to come in here and play with his mind and put in somebody at the Wildcat, which I hate more than anything? Oh, well, if if White does well, I don't think they're going to touch it. If White comes in and he's throwing the ball over the place, making good decisions and is on, I don't think they're going to mess with it at all. I think you're kind of underestimating White's running ability, though. I think White can actually move around more than what people think. Hey, Quinn, I was going to ask you, what what nationality is Sean White? He's white. Exactly. Ah. Next. So? So? I'm just saying, I mean, he's not... There's white quarterbacks that can move around. Uh, okay, I mean it's not a. I mean it's just a thing that you know I look at dual threat mobile quarterbacks that strike fear into people, and it's not a six foot two hundred pound guy. I mean he he's good at, at hurrying him up to the huddle. If you go back to the spring game, Trey, you watch this guy. The offense will be fast, which I think will work in Auburn's advantage. I haven't seen a slower offense since back in Pat Dye's days of, of milk and clock. But I mean, I mean, I, I can't buy this kid until I see him. I mean. Gun yeah. Carolina has went away from I his agree. identity of, of what wins football games. I don't know why Jeremy Johnson could run the zone read. But, Trey, do you believe that this kid's a runner? Are you, are, if you're Mississippi State, no. are you worried about his legs? No, absolutely not. And in fact, I would love it if, if this comes down to, to White's legs. Uh, because in Mississippi State, <laughs> I mean, then, then you're taking away the pass, uh, which is, you know, which is gonna, would be a critical fail for Auburn. And it means that Mississippi State's in, in total control. So, yeah, I don't think that being a fact. I mean, if he runs once for a first down, then great. But, I mean, this is becomes about his legs. Man, our predictions are in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's it it happens. I I'm, I bought into the hype because I had every right to. You you had a, a quarterback that's three years in the system, showed everything every time he came in, been successful. Um, Javon Robinson's got about three yards this year. He's a JUCO player of the year coming in. Rock Thomas, you know, the offensive line, you have Lawson's going to be healthy, Will Muschamp. Man, you had every right in the schedule. So, Trey, we weren't crazy. We just – something's going on. These are things we can't predict. We can't predict things that go on in the locker room. We can't predict how a quarterback that's never really been thrown into the leadership role, how he leads and how people respond. But I'm telling you, you will see a different Auburn team on Saturday night because of Jeremy Johnson not being in the lineup. Does that mean that Jeremy Johnson will never come back and play? I mean, don't be surprised if in a few weeks, maybe, I don't know, maybe he figures something out and they see something. But we will not know until he plays in a game. But he's not going to get the job back unless Sean White loses it. But I'm saying they may be buying time to give another quarterback a chance. Like I said, the Smith guy, I just don't know. I mean, it's just the third week. I just think now by the time you need to settle in on a quarterback, you see Ohio State, Alabama, they're playing musical chairs with quarterbacks, and it's getting them in trouble, I think, because at this time of the year, you need a leader. And I hope Sean White's the leader that this team needs to get them going yeah. in the right direction. But Jeremy Johnson's I, not a leader, guys. I agree. I hope this team shows they're more fired up. I haven't seen this Auburn team be fired up since, like, the first game of the season. Yeah. They haven't. I mean, that, and that's the thing. They haven't Jackson shown State. any, like, energy at all. Well, 
well, Trey, and I'll, I'll tell you this, y'all tell me the 11 o'clock kickoff against Jacksonville State, they overlooked them, came in hyped. That killed their confidence. It was shaking a little bit. And then all of a sudden you go into Baton Rouge and the guy breaks off a 70-yard run on the first play and your quarterback throws one backwards 20 yards. Trey, could that, could that affect the mentality of your team? Well, yeah, I mean that's not. I mean that's that's not. I mean this is a far greater problem than something that simple. I mean, but uh, I mean it, we'll see what fig- what gets figured out. I mean, I still don't like what the coaches are saying. I still don't like some of the stuff leading into this game. So, you know, Clark, Clark, hoping for Clark, the sake of prediction's sake. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean we, we went to what, today. What today's the day that, that the change was made, Tarvin. I mean it's a Wednesday. We went through two Tuesday. days. It was Tuesday. It was I'm Tuesday. Sorry, Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, but we went through two days of, of my point, you know, we have Sunday and Monday of, of Jeremy Johnson, you know, going to play. And then now all of a sudden we, we go with a totally different guy. You know, Muschamp is saying, you know, um, you know about the defense. I don't know, man. Lawson's out. I, I just, I'm going to tell you, I'm real, I'm real, real worried, man. I'm just real worried about my, my – uh, I'm not going to look hey, very smart with this prediction. Hey, all. I have some positives for Auburn. The, the punter, even though he, he has a, a mullet, he can he can punt the ball, and the kicker. I mean, I love the kicker. He can <laughs> kick it, but I mean, if it comes down to field position, a punt with a mullet or a kick, I think Auburn gets them at the end. But I'm telling you guys, this is this game is the most important game of Auburn season. If they win, Jonathan, he handed around to it. It's a very favorable road, and all of a sudden you're six and one with confidence, with maybe a loss and back. Justin Garrett's coming back this week. I just think they can get some pressure on Prescott. I don't like the offensive line. I don't like his weapons. I think Auburn could win this game by a couple of scores. But but Quinn said it, and we talked about it earlier, the energy. You'll know early that crowd's going to be jumping the first night game of the season in Jordan-Hare. That's why it's so tough. You don't see Auburn lose at home at night. I mean, that's that's a no-no. But right now you have to – the fact that Auburn's a favorite shows that Auburn's probably going to win this game pretty good because – the Jacksonville State loss almost, the LSU trial, the change of quarterback, Auburn's still favored, Jonathan. Vegas is screaming to us, Auburn's going to win this game. Yeah, and that's that's also Vegas saying, hey, you know, y'all had a bunch of faith in Auburn before this, but see if y'all are still doing it. I mean, we got to remember that Auburn, I mean, that Vegas still, you know, puts out lines to see, you know, they're expecting they're going to get more money on one side than the other. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, we, you talked about it. You mentioned, you know, there was a Drew Brees comparison for Sean White, which is – you might have heard of that. That's fine. You know, that's fine. I haven't seen that. The comparisons I saw were Chase Daniel and Connor Shaw. And if I know anything about Connor Shaw, then you've got a heck of a quarterback in Sean White. And like they said, you know, like, like it's being said, he's not a runner. He runs a five flat in the 40, Okay. I I run fast in a five flat in the forty. I'm I'm, I'm no I'm no speed demon, but I mean, you know that's that's offensive line territory when you run a five flat. Now, all he has to do though is be able to be mobile enough. That's all he's got to do is be able to be mobile enough. But Auburn cannot fall into the trap Alabama's falling into, which was we're going to put Cooper Bateman out there and see what happens. And Cooper Bateman, you know, comes out and decides he's going to throw that game away. Jacob Coker has to come back and save them. And the fan base is blaming Coker for that loss. You can't blame Coker for that. Coker came in. They were down a whole boatload of points. He brought them all the way back to within six. They choked that away again, and then he came all the way back again. None of this game, none of that game was Jacob Coker's fault. Did he make some costly wow. turnovers? Yeah, but that's not Jacob Coker put up 37 points. 
I, I think a lot of people, a lot of Alabama fans in particular, are forgetting that. Y'all need to learn to love Jacob Coker right now. Because that yep. Coker, he's he your quarterback. in there. It would have been ugly. Is your quarterback Trey? Trey, what was Saban thinking of starting Bateman in that game? Coker's definitely the quarterback at Alabama. If he doesn't start and play the rest of the year, it's. I'm hoping it's because he's hurt, not because Saban keeps toying or Kiffin keeps toying with it. What was the idea of putting Bateman in there? That was stupid. <laughs> your guess is as good as mine on that one. I mean, I was I was surprised, but I mean, I think I think you know it's the tinkering. You know, that's I tell you, that's why I'm worried about this Auburn game. It's, it's the tinkering, you know. You got a guy, you put a lot, you invest a lot into him, and that, that was Coker for Alabama. Well, and then at some point, you get lured into something else. Well, Trey, here's some here's some something coming from us, champs. All you Auburn fans out there, you talk about the coaches' talk. This should make you feel better if you're an Auburn fan out there. Will Muschamp yeah. comes out and says he's he's not going anywhere. So he wants us to know he's not going anywhere. Trey, is that bad news or good news? Hell, I was hoping he was packing his bag last week. Well, of course he's not going anywhere this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Who, who, who's going to hire him now, really? I mean, seriously, if he uh, doesn't turn Auburn around, who's going to hire him as the head coach, really? Yeah, I mean, this he has to stay and, and come up with some sort of success to move on. Uh, and that, that, that's, You're trapped. You know, when, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I mean, really, if who's going to hire him as a head coach? If he fails in Auburn, who's going to hire him as a position coach? <laughs> he better he better win the SEC. The only way he gets a head coaching job is if Auburn gives up 10 points a game, they win the national championship this year, and he, he can go. I'll let him go out of his, after that, okay? I'll just say, see you. Just thanks for the championship. But, man, this this guy, you can tell he, he's frustrated because – he was looking at Auburn as a one to two year place to win a championship, and I guarantee Gus Malzahn told him Jeremy Johnson was the best thing since sliced bread. You come and just give me an average defense, and I'll show you fifty points a game. We can't even get a first down right now, so I'm hoping that that something <laughs> happens. But guys, I have to run. We'll be back Sunday night. My test is Saturday. Y'all keep me in your prayers. I'll be more. We'll be more with the radio show. I'm moving next Friday, so we bought us a house. So. A lot of wow. changes going on here here in the Tarvin household. So we're trying to um, a lot of things, but we still will be doing radio, and we still will be doing a lot of it. But join us Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll go to about 10 o'clock, and hopefully we can be talking about Auburn in the future. And um, be, be careful, guys. Bama's playing Louisiana Monroe, and this is a trap game between the Georgia mm-hmm. game, Trey. Any chance Louisiana Monroe <laughs> beats Alabama right here. That happened a few years ago, Saban's first year, I believe. Yeah, 2007. Uh, yeah, no. Come on. Uh, yeah, no, this is, this is, let's not waste time. <laughs> I'm joking with you. Guys, y'all be good. Thanks for joining me. I've had a great time. Now I get to study till about midnight. So enjoy your week. Trey, thanks for joining us. Great having you back. Quinn, Jason, Johnson, great as always. We'll see you Sunday night. Trey, we missed you. Come, don't don't be afraid to come back. 